Welcome to Iron Sights. This podcast candidly seeks to create opportunities and deliver impact by sharing the experiences and wisdom of successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders who unapologetically aim to win in health, fitness, business, and life. I'm your host, Scott Howell. Welcome to Old School Meets New School. Tradition meets innovation and imperfection meets excellence. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey, I want to welcome Jason Kalipa to the show. Jason, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me here. This studio is awesome. Oh, thanks, man. I, you know, I appreciate it. We, um, we put a lot of time and effort into it and we've been getting good response. So, so, um, so thanks again for coming down. This is, this is such a treat for me. Um, I've been an admirer and a fan for a long time. Uh, so I'll try not to fanboy on you. <laughs> but I've also been, part of that has been because I've been a huge advocate of your business and kind of how you've handled yourself and your your company and your employees. I think there's there's been some even some cross-pollination um, over the years between maybe employees and clients and only ever hear just amazing things about yourself, your staff, you know, the programming. Um, I mean, and, and, and your roots run deep and this business is super incestuous. I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> if you're in it long yeah. enough, you're going to cross, you're going to cross paths, you're gonna somewhere, cross, especially in the Bay area. Yeah, for sure. It's not a very big place. So, um, again, th- this is the first time kind of meeting. Um, but we've, again, there's, there's, there's stories here that I think kind of cross over, but I think for those of those people that are listening that may not know you, uh, I think we may be reaching a few people that that, are, that might not know who Jason is. But the, so many accomplishments over the year, I want to kind of dig into a little bit of those. But just you know, let me toot your horn for oh just boy. a second here. All right. <laughs> All right, so fittest man on earth in 2008 CrossFit Games. Um, for those of you who don't know what that is, it, it is brutal and it is a. It is a, it a brutal sport or it can be. It's changed quite a bit. 2008 is different than it is now. Um, and, and it's not to say it's any harder or it's any easier, but it's, it's definitely changed. You're the CEO of NC Fit, which is now a global business. I mean, it started at one, as one gym and now you're in how many countries? Eight. Jeez. Impressive. Um, you're the business advisor and um, sort of the leader of the NC Fit Collective, which we'll talk about a little bit. You've authored a book as many reps as possible. Yeah, you have it right here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's a really good read and want to talk about that too. You host your own podcast right now, The the Business of Fitness. It's not your first rodeo, so you've been in a studio before. And um, I think the the other things that come along with all these accomplishments and you've done it, you've been able to to balance these things is you're a loving and dedicated father too. Yeah, I have two two kids, a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old, actually as of like a, a week or two ago. I mean- their birthdays, right? Or, or we could they're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they never get any younger. They just keep growing fast. And of course, you're a husband to your high school sweetheart Ashley, which is uh, which is an amazing story in and of itself. Yeah, her and I we met when we were 15 at uh, Archbishop Mitty right here locally. Yeah, so you're just right down the road. I mean, so this is what's weird. Like we're literally a few miles apart, and this is the first time we're ever you know kind of meeting one another, uh, going back to anything. So, like I said, I'm. I'm so happy to have you here, and I would really love to share or have you share your journey, um, because one of the things I really I think that's that that I love about guys like you, and we're going to unpack some of the story here, is that you know they learn about your accomplishments, and they're going to learn more today, I think. But they go, yeah, but <laughs> Kalipa's a savage. He's one of a kind. You know, like they just, you know, they just those come few and far between and you just, you're just not going to find many guys like that. Um, and I want to get into that because you weren't always that guy. 
were you? No, no. And I write about that a lot in the book. Um, but no, I wasn't always like the dedicated hard worker. Um, I really got woken up when I got out of high school. And it's really unfortunate because I don't think I reached my potential in high school at all. And that's okay. I mean, it was a part of the learning experience, but definitely was the class clown. Definitely was like the guy who loved the party. I really didn't apply myself. And it was when I got into college, I really kind of realized like, you know, no one's going to come and save you. And it's up to you to get to where you want to be. And I think that, you know, our system in school, especially in the private school system, was designed to encourage and push you forward. And even if you're not doing excelling amazingly, they'll find a way to just get you through. Right. But as soon as you get through, right, there's no more A, Bs, and Cs when you get into real life, right? It's either you're reaching your potential or you're not. Or you're not. That's it. So and, it's a pass or fail. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting when you think about that because when you, when you ask yourself and when I reflect on what I'm doing, it's, again, it's not just you're trying to pass or fail. You're trying to reach where you can get and your potential, whether that be as an entrepreneur, right. as an athlete or a husband or a father, whatever. Yep. And that's, that's what I think about on a regular basis. Yeah. So the, the, the college sort of being this, this turning point for you when you got there, um, maybe some, you know, like a lot of people, it's kind of a wake up call. Yeah. Um, you're going to learn real fast one way or another, whether it's right away or down the, down the, down the line, whether it's the right place for you or not. Um, tell me about like your first, your first experience there kind of moving into college and what was there a wake up call or moment for you? I mean, I think for me, you know, I come out of uh, a high school where at the time locally it's a, you know, private, private school. Uh, all my friends are getting to the different colleges of their choice and, Ultimately, I didn't get into the colleges of my choice, and my football career was coming to an end. Uh, I had some opportunities, and it just it didn't pan out for a variety of reasons. So I went to a junior college called West Valley, which is local. Mm -hmm. And so I show up, and you just realize, like, on the first day, like, no one cares. Like, no one cares how you feel or who you were in high school or if you were popular in high school. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that these people are there and some of them have been there for a very long time. And that unless you take ownership in, in, in your trajectory, you can get stuck there for years and years and years. And um, that was a big wake up call for me is, is realizing you kind of, you feel like you're kind of the cool kid on the block. And then all of a sudden you get your ego checked and it, it really it woke me up for sure. So there's a focus now and you're, you're, you're kind of changing gears a little bit. Um, we'll talk about changing gears a little bit here in a minute more, but how was your experience sort of at this time? Like you're working, right? And I know you're working sort of the big box gyms and this is, is so you, you'd have, you've been an athlete, right? It was the gym just kind of like a next natural progression for you to work there. You needed a job, got to make some money, right? Like how did, how did that come about? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, my parents used to go to this gym and they would take me there. And then when I was young, I, I don't even know how I even got in at the time. Cause I mean, I, I don't, we were, I was younger and they would bring me to the gym. Maybe no one really cared. I don't know what it was, but I was like 12, 13, 14. And then I, uh, an opportunity came up to work the front desk there when I was like just old enough to work at a, at a place. And I was like 15 and a half. And so I started working the front desk there on the weekends when I wasn't playing football or, or, or uh, track and field. And that's how I got introduced to the conventional gym space is that I was going with my parents. Then I, I met some people, applied for the front desk job, got it. And so I'd work there on Saturdays or Sundays. And I really fell in love with the, uh, that's where I really started falling in love with kind of the idea of fitness at a pretty early age. So that's interesting because the, I think a lot of us, 
maybe I'm an old salty dog in this business and that's exactly where I started. You know, you start behind the front desk and you start to learn the operation and you start to learn what the gym business really is. A lot of people go, oh, that'd be cool. You know, I get to be, you know, kind of on, on stage in the front of people, you know, wear the, wear the uniform, be kind of the hero and, you know, the, the person everybody goes to for the answers and and whatnot. But the reality of, of it is at 15 years old or whatever it is, you're learning that that is not all all it is. Now you're learning about customer service. You're learning about uh, trying to, you know, I think what I learned at an early age there was, yeah, you were selling Gatorades. And at that point, hmm. we were, my main responsibility was actually giving people keys to their lockers. That was like my, my big thing. People would come, they would give us their membership card. We would, we would give them back a key. And along with that is, you know, obviously selling merchandise and, and, and drinks. But also, you had to have a customer service side where if someone came in, they swiped their card and they had maybe a, a, a balance due. Right. How do you handle that? How do you inter- interact with them? And what I was really fortunate about where, where I worked was called Milpitas Health and Fitness. In Milpitas at the time, the diversity was outrageous, meaning we had different ages, different ethnic backgrounds. And so it allowed me to learn how to talk to people from all different backgrounds and that's what ultimately sparked. I went from the front desk into sales and that was a whole different level of kind of learning how to do that. But the front desk laid that framework because you had to interact with a lot of different people and it was your responsibility to make their day. As far as I was concerned, when they come in and when they leave, those are two amazing opportunities to enhance their experience at the gym. Yeah. And, and you know, we say that at Red Dot Fitness, like that person standing in the front desk, that's the most important person in the house. Yeah, the first person greets you. Right. First person, that's the either smile or not. Like right. it's either a good interaction or not. And uh, it sets the tone for either the relationship that's about to begin or the workout that's about to happen or the rest of the day for that person. So it makes a huge difference. Imagine when you go into a different building, right? And you walk in, someone says, Hey, hope you're having a great day or whatever. Or when you leave, thanks for coming in. Have a good one. Like it's so simple yet. It makes such a big difference. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I've been into businesses, whether it's furniture stores or whatnot, and you'll walk in and it's like awkwardly silent. It's like, dude, like, at least say hi. I know. I start to see this more and more these days. Like it's like that's the norm versus what how you sort of quote unquote grew up doing it, which is hey, build a relationship, say hi to this person. I mean, and by the way, if you're moving into sales or you think you're moving in sales or you think you're moving into personal training or you think you're moving into group exercise or whatever that person is your next client. That person knows your next client. That person knows your next member and so forth. And it's just those skills just don't get, they don't get built unless you're in the trenches doing it. And what a great opportunity at, you know, such a young age. I mean, because I was in high school and, you know, I I would finish, I'd close up the gym. Like on the weekends, we'd close pretty early. Like let's just say like eight, you know, seven, 8 p.m. or whatever it was. And I'd be able to leave there and go party and do right. my thing. But you're totally right about the relationships because I had developed so many relationships for years that when I graduated from high school and I started doing sales when I was in college, I had already had those relationships. So when someone would come in with their friend, they wouldn't go to anybody else. They would come straight to, to me you. and be like, hey, man, this is Bob. He wants to check out the gym. Like, oh, okay, cool, Bob. Go do your thing and we'll talk on your way out. And um, But it was because of those personal relationships you make. Yeah, so whether you knew it or not, you were building for the future. So you get into the sales game. Now you're probably making a little bit more money, right? Yeah, we were doing, I was doing pretty well. I was doing pretty well. You know, it's funny, a buddy of mine, man, he he was crushing. I remember one time I saw his commission check and that's what really blew my mind. Because at the time, you know, you're making, I don't know, 15 bucks an hour, whatever it was, the front desk. And, um... I saw one of his commission checks and I was like, I was like, man, this guy, I was like, how do, how do I do that? And he's like, and then he took me under his wing. He taught me a lot about sales and, and, uh, 
I fell in love with the idea of selling, not because I wanted to try and like sell someone, but because every every interaction was an opportunity for me to um, not only get them involved in something I was passionate about, but also to learn more about them, right? And 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 create a deeper relationship. And that's that's what helped me be successful in sales there. Yeah, and that's you know in the in the business of health and fitness, that's such a, an important piece is that drive to want to get to know somebody, and want to help them. And it's helpful if you have a drive to also make some money, yeah. you know, doing it, right? And if so, if you're good at both, you're good at the sell, right? You're also good at building relationships, but you're also good at truly caring. I'm just going to be honest and giving a shit and really wanting somebody to to be successful. Man, that's a you can not really knock it out of the park, and I'm, obviously you've done that right in 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 business and in, in life. And again, you're 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 putting these tools in the toolbox very very early on, whether you're realizing it or not. Yeah, I mean, looking back on it, those 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 years were instrumental in my ability that when we when I graduated from college and opened a business on my own, without that background, that experience, I don't think we would have had as good of a start as we did. Because, and to your point. One of the things that was always really challenging at the commercial gym is that I really wanted to see people get results. Mm -hmm. It was very important to me because we were selling a bag of goods. We were selling a service and the goal of any service is to provide some type of benefit. Right. right? And I felt like they were putting up their end, which was investing and maybe even coming in for that matter. But we weren't providing the tools to help guide them along that journey of of what to do. Um, and, And that's really when I when I found CrossFit. And I found this idea of having a coach in a community. That was the most drawing thing to me is that, and I still believe this till this day, we hold the keys to the anti-aging cream. We hold mm-hmm. the keys to ultimate health. And, and at our gyms with the appropriate coaching and the appropriate movements done the appropriate way, right. you could see results so much quicker. I would watch these people for so many years, man, ride the elliptical, walk on the treadmill and read books. I mean, I mean years I'd see these right. people. And all of a sudden, I found this idea of high-intensity training. I, I, I saw this idea of using movements like thrusters and back squats and the impact they would have. And I just want to go tell the whole world about it. Right. So now you got this passion and now you're hooked, right? There's this. So now there's this huge world of discovery, right? They like, hey, we can, there's a different, there's a different way. Like, and, and I think you just alluded to that. And there's a, there's a solid passage in the book there that kind of you walk the reader through what you just talked about, about having this realization that, I'm really just selling kind of this, this dream, right? This, this idea, but we're really not backing it up. We're not delivering on our end of the promise, which is to get them in the best shape of their life or help them feel healthier and strengthen their relationship with their husband or their wife or their partner or their kids or whatever else. That's not really what we're doing here, is it? And that was tough. that's, That's a tough pill to swallow. Even if you were making and actually reflecting back on it, it made me realize like I do have a conscience and that's like, because I was making great commission checks, but I felt like, again, they were putting up their, and, and even if they did come in, the problem with it was, if you don't come in, we can't really help you, Right. but they would come in. We just weren't helping them. And that was the problem because there was no guidance or direction. It'd be like, if I really want to, um, I don't know, it'd be like if a chef sold me a bunch of food but I didn't know how to cook it. I kept going into the kitchen, but I didn't know how to put it together. <laughs> That's a great analogy. Yeah. But then if someone had just shown me, hey, you do this, you do this, you do this, now it's now the onus is on me to 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 do to do it. But ultimately you gotta do the work. A hundred percent. And is this so this all this stuff is starting to come together, you got college going on, you got, you know, work going on, you got CrossFit going on, which yeah. has now introduced you maybe or reintroduced you, brought you back to 
the 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 physical aspect of working out. You've always been working out, right? So it wasn't like you were working out hard in the gym, I'm sure, while you were working there. But now you have this new like kind of purpose. Yeah. Right. The competition is 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 back in it. Like like where football or track and field might have been. That's gone for for a while. You're competing with yourself, maybe chasing the, the dollar a little bit, right? Chasing the other chasing men. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice try, to, try to beat men on the same board. <laughs> but, but yeah. But now you got now you got athletics again. Now yeah. that shows back up in your life. Walk us through how that happened. Well yeah I got introduced to CrossFit from a gentleman named Austin Begeeping and this is in two thousand and five, six and what I really fell in love with, and at the time I was kind of anti it, I, I, I didn't really get it. I didn't understand how a short workout could provide any impact. And I, I would spend hours in the gym just kind of training buys, tries, back buys, the typical flow. Right. I did find Muay Thai at the time, which was obviously a very aggressive style of training with the kickboxing. But Muay Thai was like a separate thing from working out. I didn't combine strength and conditioning. It was always separate. And I think that was a, a historical way of looking at sure, it. Sure, traditional traditional but then crossfit kind of said hey hang on a second let's combine different things let's put a clock against it and let's see how much work you can get done in a certain amount of time and that really called to me um we would do all kinds of stuff we'd go downstairs and the two main things that drew me to crossfit in this in the beginning um and then over the years you know i, I had some adjustments there but in the beginning what really drew me was the idea of a clock and the idea of complexity those two the complexity was that I thought that in the gym you were just doing traditional fundamental movements. Mm. There wasn't much complexity in a, in a cable crossover machine. What I liked about CrossFit was that you were learning complex lifts like clean and jerks mm. and snatches and maybe even at the time rope climbs and muscle. There's skill, there's skill there. Yeah. There's skill. There's something that I'm testing my, my mindset. Mm -hmm. And then it was obviously the clock. It was this idea of, hey, you have a certain amount of work. Can you beat it next time? Can you do this? Other someone else did this in five minutes. And how I really got started when I would challenge people, this is after I got comfortable with uh, CrossFit, I would challenge people on YouTube, because at the time it wasn't as popular. I would challenge certain people on YouTube where I would film my workout, and then I would be like, oh, I'm gonna challenge this guy Bionic out mm -hmm. of Florida, right. or whatever. And that was exciting to me. So those were the things that really captivated me. Yeah, and that was, this, man, if there's a thing that CrossFit really nailed outside of you know this new, and, and different kind of modality of training was the community aspect. And you just mentioned something there about posting a video or something like that. That had never existed before. No. The only the only videos you saw were the end game. It was the powerlifting meet or the bodybuilding, you know, competition on TV or, you know, ESPN was shown or whatever it was, or, you know, the sports event on TV. This is actually, you're able to compete every day if you yep. wanted to, right? Yeah, you're able to compete on a regular basis. And it was very new at the time and it was very grassroots. And the people who were involved in it in 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10, probably, especially in the Bay Area, it was, it was, it was rooted here in the Bay Area pretty right. well because it was founded in Santa Cruz. And it was just a, a, a culture of trying to help each other learn new skills, get better at coaching. Right. I'm forever grateful for CrossFit yep. for the methodology it taught me. And then after competing for a while, I got pulled on to seminar staff and I traveled the world hmm. for probably the good part of like a couple of years. I would travel the world every weekend teaching a seminar somewhere else in the world. And just like the sales background at the conventional gym really taught me a lot of lessons. Teaching CrossFit seminars on the weekends was profoundly, it was very impactful on my public speaking, my ability to be comfortable with the material, and um, in growing myself as an athlete and a coach. 
Yeah. And again, what another, like now you're going leaps and bounds in the education process, right? Outside of, you couldn't have gotten this anywhere else. Like you, you're literally thrown in, you're thrown into the mix. You're traveling around, you're being thrown in front of people. You're getting to talk about stuff you're passionate about that yeah. you've been successful with. Um, and people are listening, right? And again, so now you're kind of that coach that's on the floor, right? Talking about all the things you really like to be talking about anyways, and you're getting paid to do it. When did NC Fit fit into this? Yeah. So how, what was the transition from, I mean, you're heavy into CrossFit from a, from competing to coaching um, to being sort of on the, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're sort of in the spotlight from a media perspective too, because you're, you're on the, the top 10 in the world, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, so I was, the, I mean, in 08, so I, I graduated from college, Santa Clara University, which is locally in 2008. And at that point I had been doing CrossFit for maybe, you know, a year or two, a couple of years. Um, I was coaching. At, at the gym there, we, we opened a, a, a CrossFit at gym. At Santa Clara. Uh, in, uh, excuse me, in Milpitas on the Fitness. We opened, oh, gotcha, gotcha. We yeah. opened a small CrossFit gym inside yeah. of a racquetball court. And I was coaching there. And so at the time, I was really trying to decide, hey, what do I want to do for a living? What's my main purpose? And I said, hey, I got to own a gym. And originally, I thought it was going to be a conventional gym. But after finding CrossFit and the idea of coaching and whatnot, I, um, I chose to go out on my own and open a business. So I signed a lease. This is in, like, July. So I graduated from college. I signed a lease, and then about a week or two after I signed the lease, I won the CrossFit Games, which was here locally in Aromas, California. Okay. So at that point, I was the number one CrossFit Games athlete in the world, and I had just opened up a business. So that was a good timing to, to get people at least to understand who we were at the time. What awesome timing. Great timing. And so then after that, we signed a short-term six-month lease. Then we expanded from there. We opened, the original gym was called CrossFit Santa Clara. And then after years, we rebranded to NorCal CrossFit. And then after years, we rebranded to NC Fit. And um, yeah, that's kind of how that flowed. Yeah, so there was a there was this, this branding thing. You just kind of walked us through the branding thing. And it started with, you got this huge community of people. You've been supported. You've been competing as an athlete. It was part of, there was this culture that was, and but then there was this also, Jason, Jason had a, a different or better or bigger vision of where he wanted to take things. And it went to NorCal CrossFit and ultimately to NC Fit. Did you know what you were doing then? Or was it, or was it just like, nah, this, this doesn't feel right or what? Yeah. I mean, I think when you open up a business, you say, okay, I, knowing what I know now, there was many things I would do different, but we, 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 we took the conservative approach. We took a six month lease. I said, Hey, in the next six months, we're either going to go bankrupt we're going to be so successful. I need to outgrow this space. And fortunately we were very successful because of a lot of hard work and, um, a lot of time spent. And I, I mean, I could tell stories about that for years, but, um, from there we expanded to the next location and we grew that one. Then we expanded to the next location. We grew that one. At that point we had some great team and I wish I would have hired probably earlier and found good people to surround me with earlier on. I wish I would have learned to delegate better and not hold everything in. I realized the hard way that you can't be good at everything mm-hmm. and you're a hundred percent at something is going to be more, uh, you're 60% at everything is never going to be as good as someone else's hundred percent, whatever they're doing. Yep. So at that point though, we found some great staff and so we opened our second location and then our third location. And at that point we had multiple locations. And it was weird because we would call them cross the Santa Clara, cross the Mountain View, CrossFit this, and it was like, hmm. They don't sound like they're going together. That's yeah. right. From a branding perspective, we're like, this is too disjointed. So we rebrand them all to NorCal CrossFit. And at that point, that's when we really started to build a brand. And we, I could, I was competing still professionally at this time. And um, I was still teaching seminars for CrossFit. 
But at some point, you know, we've been really blessed over over the business side that each time there's pivotal moments, we've been able to self-fund a lot of stuff because of external opportunities. So Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. We opened the business. We had some success. When we were trying to expand to more locations, I was also working for CrossFit at the time. So I would take the revenue from the seminars on the weekends. I would reinvest into the the business business. Mm -hmm. so that then I could go ahead and self-fund these new locations, right? And that was a good timing. Then as we started to grow and wanted to open up more locations, we signed a big corporate wellness accounts that really helped uh, catapult us as well. And so each time our business would, would grow, it's not like I had like this grandiose vision. It was more so just saying, hey, what opportunities are in front of us? And then, and then you know, where do we want to go? And just having more brainstorming sessions. Yeah, so it's not like you have this 10-year, 15-year no. business plan. No. And, I, and, and it's not that you didn't have a plan, right? But the plan was, look, we this is our goal in the next six months. Let's reevaluate it in three, yeah. right? And then every three or six months, you're just going, okay, where are we? Where can we take the thing the, the thing next? next. And so you're, you're going at it with in an organized fashion, but there's also a little bit of, look, we're, we're sort of burning the lifeboats here and we're going all in. Like we're, we're either, I heard you say, this is either going to be successful or it's going to be a failure. Um, we choose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at some point when you're a business owner and not everybody should be an entrepreneur, not everybody should be a business owner. I'm a big believer in that. I think there's a lot of amazingly talented people. I believe that everybody on this earth has something they're uniquely good at. I really believe that. Finding is a, is a, is a challenge, but not everybody's uniquely good at entrepreneurship because right. there is a lot of risk associated with it. And you could be highly successful and not be a business owner. You could be great at whatever you're doing. And taking on risk that's calculated is 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 an appropriate part of business. Absolutely. And something I always ask myself is, hey, you know, we're going to go out there, we're going to take opportunities uh, because I don't want to regret, you know, 10, 20, 30 years from now saying, man, that was a great opportunity, but we, we were too timid or too too um, afraid to take it. Now, at the same time, we've also expanded too much in different verticals and not had enough focus, and we've also failed in that sense as well. Yeah, and that's not necessarily irresponsibility, right? That's that's just part of the process, yeah. right? We're, we're, we're trying new things. We're doing different things, and not everything's going to work. But fundamentally, we're all moving in the same direction, and we are also take time to step back and go, well, that's not working. We need to readdress it um, and go maybe a different direction. And I think... I talk to a lot of young, I get emails, phone calls, text messages from, from business owners, you know, people in the fitness business all the time or aspiring coaches that are looking or coaches that are aspire to be gym owners or whatnot. And they ask questions and they seem to all want it like right now. I mean, I've never actually hired or even interviewed a coach for that matter. That doesn't come in and go, I want to, I want to do what you're doing someday. You know, I want to, I want to have my own business, but they want it like right now. And I think what's the, what's the, the saying as the saying goes, like, um, you know, it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. Yeah. (laughs) So they don't understand this process of you got to, you have to take risk. You have to do the work. You're going to fall down and and it gets talked about a lot, but it doesn't, if, unless you've gone through the process, not once, not twice, not three times, but rep after rep after rep, you never really, you're you're never really going to understand what that's like and being anxious to get there um, can be the enemy of your, your ultimate result. Yeah, man. The thing about it is, is like looking back on it, you know, I'm 35. I opened our first business at 22, right? 21, 22. Looking back on it, um, we're at a, we're at a new inflection point. And I do believe our business is, is uh, positioned very well right now to really catapult into something special 
because of the team, because we're all aligned. Everybody's moving in the same direction. But it took us a long time to get here. And that's when we look at many businesses that have success that's highlighted, right? Yes, you might have some rare occasions like the Facebooks of the world that only took a couple years, phenomenal idea, brilliant people, boom, took off, right? But for the most part, things take time to develop and grow because as a leadership team and as a team in general, you have to find the right people in the right places at the right time. And it takes a while to learn how to identify that and to foster it. you know, for, for a while at our organization, we had we had tremendous amounts of growth. And I didn't, you know, we talk a lot about, oh, hire slow, fire fast. It's a lot easier to talk about these fundamentals yep. than actually put them into action. And you can only get comfortable when you see it time after time. It's like being a coach. And you watch someone do a back squat. And you see them, their technique is off. You don't quite know what it is. You're like, man, that guy's technique, something's not right about it. And then after 5,000 reps, you look and you're like, oh, dude, that guy has tight right. ankles or that guy's knees. This Because you're so comfortable because you've seen so many reps. Right. It's the same thing in business. It just takes time. And there's some things that you can learn from other people. And I, I strongly encourage if you do want to be an owner someday, go learn from owners, sit down with them, and spend time around them and take what you like and, and build from it. But um, it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, work at the front desk for a while. Let's yeah. start. Let's start from 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 square one. Yeah, and 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 work our way up. Yeah, I think the 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 word I like to to use or or use often and try to instill in a in a young employee or coach or entrepreneur that I talk to is the word anticipation. Um, so things become more intuitive. You were talking about seeing somebody do a squat, not quite knowing, but after rep, after rep, after rep, you can almost anticipate before the person even starts doing a squat or gets to their first yeah, rep. You're like, I know what's going to happen and I see it happening. And that's not because I'm overconfident or cocky. It's just because I've seen it so many times I can make more. I can, there's, I can make more than an educated or informed guess on, on what's about to happen. And then it becomes intuitive, which in, you know, in the world of health and fitness and particularly in diet and nutrition, we hear the term intuitive eating. Um, I have a problem with that word because unless you've done anything for a long period of time, there's nothing to reflect back on to because, or to anticipate. So the the term intuitive becomes very broad, right? What, what exactly is intuitive? Um, well, we need to, we need to talk about doing something for a long period of time, rep after rep after rep in some kind of organized fashion to be able to reflect back and go, okay, so my intuition is either on or it's off here. How do I make an, make an adjustment? So I think in the end, I, I, I have your book here uh-huh. and what we've been, not so much in the end, but what we've been talking about is all <laughs> yeah. your, all your successes and all the things that have happened. And yeah. There were some ups and downs. And so as a business owner, as an athlete, as a leader, as a, um, you know, as somebody that's just trying to plow through life, we're, we're, we're faced with all these challenges in, in, you know, that you, again, you might not necessarily anticipate, but there are things that people talk about all the time, right? Like, Hey, watch out for this. This is, you know, don't grow too fast. Don't grow too slow. Make sure you take advantage of opportunity, but occasionally something will come along and it'll hit you in the side of the head without you expecting it. And it can completely throw you off course. Yeah. Like or, COVID. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's one. Yeah. But there, and I, I think that deserves a little bit of talk, but there's a passage in your book here. And for those of you that haven't read this book, um, as many reps as possible. I highly encourage this read. And this is actually how it starts out if this doesn't get your attention. So just bear with me here. <clears throat> My work and fam- family life were firing on all cylinders. I felt like we had it all. But things changed suddenly on January 
20th, 2016. It was a Wednesday, and we had taken our four-year-old daughter, Ava, to the doctor. What happened, man? <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, well, yeah. So Ava was diagnosed with leukemia. And so in that in, in that particular case, what happened right there and then, um, so we take, okay, so we had, she had issues for a while, right? And this is while you're running your business and all these things, yes, traveling and doing all kinds of stuff. Yes, yeah, so this is in 2016. I stopped competing professionally when she got sick. So I'll, 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 I'll back up. So, you know, we're running the business. We're opening up locations all over Asia. I'm spending a lot of time doing different things. And, you know, we recognized something wasn't right with Ava. And, and uh, we took her to every doctor you could think of. I mean, dude, acupuncturist, physical therapist, you name it. And regular doctors, of course, too. And, you know, I knew something was really wrong in October. My sister got married and my daughter was the flower girl. Mm-hmm. And so I'm waiting up on the altar because I'm one of the groomsmen or whatever. And she never comes down. I'm like, hmm, that's kind of weird. And her legs hurt so bad. They were so fatigued that she fell. And um, I remember just looking at my wife. I'm like, listen, like we have, we have some serious, something's not right. And so after that, in October for months, we explored a ton of different things. And we explored, we bought a trampoline because we thought it would help strengthen it. We thought it was growing pains. We went to every doctor. And what ended up happening was she started getting bruising. And um, so the, the leg plane, the tiredness, she would fall asleep at school. I mean, again, and I'm, I'm not trying to, it's just at the time when you're a parent, you don't think it's leukemia. So so you go and you talk it's to the doctor. It's not going to happen to me. So this can't go, happen to kids. Right. Kids. And, and so we were not being, I don't want to paint the picture that we were being like um, just naive to it. We no. were going to the different doctors. It's just no one had a, no one had that perspective, right? We're like, dude, she's tired. She's falling asleep at school. She can't walk. She has leg pain. I'm carrying her all the time. Something's weird. And so finally she started bruising and that's when we were like, okay, so we finally got blood work and they had avoided doing blood work in hindsight. I wish we'd done blood work. Why man? Why? I don't, I think with kids her age, they don't want to traumatize them with blood work. Good Lord. And, and, And maybe it's because at the time it just didn't seem like it had all the symptoms of leukemia. Okay. Again, but something's wrong, and you yeah. know something's wrong. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I wish we had gotten blood work significantly earlier. Again, going back to the anticipation and the reps, and you don't have any reps at this. this yeah, is, you, right? you have no idea, right? right? And so we take her to the doctor, and um, so we get blood work, and so it takes a little bit of time to get, uh, you know, um, the feedback. So we're sitting back at home, and um, I'm uh, we're eating dinner, and we get a call from the doctor, and all they said to us is like, "Hey, listen, you need to take your, you need to take Ava, you need to stop whatever you're doing right now." And he had to take Ava to the emergency room at Stanford Hospital wow. immediately. Wow. And at that point, you're like, okay, like, give me some more information. There was no more information. It was just, that's it, right? And I think doctors at, at some point, and we've learned the heart, I mean, they're, they're pretty cryptic in their, in their sure. messaging. And uh, so we left our food on the table, got in the car, and we just booked it. And I'm, I'm talking to the doctor on the way to the hospital. I'm like, dude, what do you think is going on? They're like, oh, well, maybe it's this, this, this. They're trying to be all very, like, politically correct about it and trying to be comforting. Probably why, because you're driving too. They don't yeah, want to drop and, the and, and so we get to the, the hospital and um, and we meet this nurse. And I remember we meet this nurse. So they take us into this special room and, and thank God for Stanford, by the way. I mean, Stanford and the pediatric uh, cancer. I mean, dude, we, we, were, we had the best treatment in the world. We're so fortunate to live in this beautiful area. Right. So we get there and this nurse looks at me and my wife. And uh, at this point, it's... Um, and you still don't know. You don't have no, a diagnosis, we have right? We have, nothing. we have nothing. We're just showing up, right? We're just thinking, oh, maybe it's, you know, I don't know, whatever. Uh, and they had had different um, 
and this nurse just looks at my wife and I'm like, hey, listen, I've seen a lot of families come through here. I just want you to know that um, you and your wife need to keep date nights. It's very important to keep your relationship strong. <laughs> you're just like, and you're I'm like, like dude, we're just here to like get a checkup. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, she knows more than yeah, you do. Clearly, right? right? And I'm just like, you know, part of me is like, dude, F is, like, that's, dude, that's like a putting a bad omen, right? right? And <laughs> so we sit in this room and, um, and uh, you know, it was like two o'clock in the morning. And so at this point, when we were at dinner, so 6 p.m., like five, six hours later, wow. after more blood work and more more diagnosis, and, 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 you know, they obviously give us the bad news that, you know, she she has uh, leukemia. And I remember when the nurse, or not the nurse, the doctor, and uh, when she says this news, I mean, you feel like you're you're just, I mean, dude, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's like, no, I've had that emotion probably maybe three or four times in my life, and they were all to do with, with her sickness, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean... I've been in some really challenging times with CrossFit and CrossFit Games and whatnot. Those just get trumped by this type of information. And so, you know, I remember saying to the lady, I was like, how positive are you that she has it? And she's like, sir, I'm an epidemiologist. Or, you know, I'm a, uh, uh, an oncologist. An oncologist yeah. and, and I'm 99.999% sure. I was like, so you're saying there's a 1% you know, whatever. <laughs> and so anyways, uh, you know, that night was really, really horrifying. And, and my wife and I made a commitment to, to take it head on. And uh, we did. And it was three years of treatment. And uh, three years of treatment. So she finished, and now she's currently three years out of treatment. So she had diagnosed at four. She was in treatment for three years. And then she's been out of treatment for three. So we have two more years um, until she's considered cured. But we learned a whole ton, a ton through that experience. I'm sure. And, and I think that's the next question is, is how, did that, how did that change life and business for you, um, for your, for your family. And how did it work into developing what we now know is the AMRAP mentality? Well, I think, you know, what it did is I was so fortunate at the time we had a great team at NC fit and the night that she was diagnosed, I sent an email, I actually put it in the book and the email was just very simple. Like, Hey, look, effective immediately, you know, Ava's been diagnosed with leukemia effective immediately. Matt, who's still with us. He's the president of our company. You're in charge. You know, basically, uh, I don't know if this will be for a day, a month, a year, but until further notice, you're in charge. These five items, I don't want to do this. I do want to do this. I do want to do this. Go take care of business and we'll, we'll talk. But I remember writing the email, like if it doesn't pertain to my daughter's health and wellness, you know, it's not a priority for me right now. And uh, fortunately at the time, we had such a great team that the business continued on. And that's an example of why it's so important to mm-hmm. fight for in your life as many reps as possible in everything you're doing. So whether it's in your workout, my family and I had built these hedges, financial hedges, emotional hedges, business hedges, because we were present and focused on these different things. Mm-hmm. And I'm forever grateful for for that hard work we put in for so many years. Then when we did get that diagnosis, we had already, it was like putting money in the piggy bank, right? right. And because we had developed this business to a certain level, we were able to kind of walk away for a little bit. But had I not embraced this AMRAP mentality as being present and focused in different areas, having strong relationships, developing these things, I don't know what would have happened. And so the recommendation from the book is, hey, go out there and do the best you can each facet of your life because you never know when life's going to come and kick you in the nuts and this is going to help prepare you for it. Yeah, and so what a God, what an important lesson. Again, we, you, you alluded to COVID earlier and we'll kind of get into that. Yeah, COVID's I, a great example. I, that's a great example. But maybe we could just kind of pause for a second and can you define this, you know, this AMREP mentality? What What is it? Because for those of you, 
some people may be familiar with the with the term AMRAP and how it relates to workouts and fitness and whatever. Maybe you can just walk walk us yeah, through. Yeah, I mean, the AMRAP mentality is 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 a, is a basic. Um, it's a mindset, and the mindset is identify what you want to focus on. Maybe that's right here, right? Work hard at this particular thing, then switch gears to your next thing, and that's what AMRAP is. Meaning, as many reps as possible. So right now, you and I are having a conversation. I haven't checked my phone once. I haven't done anything else. I'm just sitting here having a great conversation. And that's the whole concept is that once we're done here, I'm going to switch gears. I'm no longer going to think about this conversation. I'm not going to, I'm going to go move on to whatever else to do. do. Mm -hmm. And for many years, I would be one foot in, one foot out. So I'd be here doing a podcast Mm -hmm. with you and maybe I'd be on the elliptical or whatever, you know, I wouldn't be on the elliptical, but the assault bike. And now I'm half training, half with you. And I would always question myself, hey, did I put in my best effort there? Did I really get the most out of that conversation? And uh, that's when the AMRAP mentality really started to take focus is that um, I recognized the value of the mindset when Ava got sick, but I had put that into action years before because I knew that if I didn't compartmentalize my day, I wouldn't have the family that I have now because I was too disjointed. I'd be on walks with my kids, but thinking about the business. I'd be I'd be at dinner with my wife, but thinking about walking on my hands. So easy to do. It's yeah. so easy. I wasn't being present and focused. And that's something that's really made an impact on my life. Yeah, just the intention, right? Yeah, the intention. And the intention and how much more value and how much more uh, enrichment you get when you do focus and you do, and you are all in. Yeah, think about workouts, right? right? Imagine Same. those times when you're just all in on the workout. Your right. phone rings, you're not answering. You're just going for it. You're going hard yeah. for 10, 15, 20 minutes. And then after that, go focus on business. Yeah, feel, yeah you can move on. You can move on. Right. And so that mindset really helped us to prepare ourselves the best we could for when Ava was diagnosed. And that's why I wanted to share that message with people. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, I don't wish the the pediatric cancer on, on anybody right. ever. But similar to COVID, I don't wish that on anybody either. But on both of them, if you could view it through a lens of positivity, there you go. Which, is, which is challenging to do, right? But if you view it through a lens of what came out of this that we could learn from, there's there, there was definitely lessons learned. Now, again, I want to caveat that by saying, had her diagnosis been fatal or COVID, I probably would not have that same mindset. Right. And so I think that there's people that were going to have it's, it's very difficult to have a positive mindset when that when that outcome comes around. That's so very honest. I just yes. want to caveat that yes. by saying it's easy for me to say that. But I've also been in the trenches with some very difficult moments. And I'm still saying that. Yeah. And I think um, that gives a credibility right there. You know, it's not. And so that's actually what I wanted to ask you next was. And you do talk about this in the book and what actually inspired the writing of the book, which I think you just kind of segued perfectly into. And it wasn't your daughter getting cancer that that maybe inspired the book. You had been developing this mentality over a long time. It just helped you maybe define it and start to articulate it to where it ultimately went between, you know, you know, covers. Right. um, Or the cover of the book. But what was it that inspired the book? I mean, what inspired the book, a lot of it was, you know, all my travels and reading books that didn't align with what I found in, in personal yeah. experience, right? Whereas, you know... Books are cool. Yeah. But... The, the the challenge I was running into was I would look for inspiration from different books or different mentalities. And a lot of them, again, just did not align with my personal experiences. And I wanted to just share my mindset on that. Then when Ava got sick, because I'd already started writing... Um, the book okay. before Ava got sick. I'd already kind of put it in motion. And then when Ava got sick, it really just kind of was like, dude, you know what? We are 
as well. I remember sitting there, this is months after she was diagnosed and um, just saying, hey, look, if someone had to get it, like, like if someone has to get it, it's going to be our family because we have a network that we're going to be able to drive back and grow awareness for this. We have these different things in place. And, and um, anyways, I, I just, I just felt like I was compelled to write a book to share that mindset and not to mention donate a lot of the proceeds and build awareness for pediatric cancer yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It goes deeper than just writing yeah. the book, yeah. right? I mean, there was, there was purpose for doing that. There was, it was, there was sharing, there was donations, there was, a bigger, a bigger purpose than just getting something off your chest. Yeah. Um, but I think the interesting thing that I kind of took away from that was the, look, I've read a lot of books. I've read a ton of leadership books. I've read a lot of business books. I've, I, I've been gifted tons of books by very gifted people say, Hey, you should read this book. And I love them. I think they're all great. They're all great reads. But at the end of the day, it kind of goes back to none of them really, if you just go at it with, well, I've read this book now, I can be successful. Right. The reality of that is, is you haven't done any work yet. You haven't, yeah. you haven't actually done anything yet. Yeah. Um, and as we, as this place that we're in an interesting thing. So it started as a book and we're going back a few years when the book was being written. Um, and now in, 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 in terms of consuming content books was a place to do that. And social media was still a, still a thing or it was a thing. Sure. Yeah. You had Facebook and whatnot, but now there's so much of this where people feel, I think like they're getting this education or they're getting this information in the way they need to, to ultimately be successful through these 15 minute or 15 second or 30 second clips. Yeah. It's probably not the best. <laughs> right. And, and they're, and they're, they're like, Oh yeah, I've got this. Like I know the formula now and they're touting themselves as the, the answer, you know, or the new coach or whatever yet. They haven't done anything. Yeah, social media is a very, um, a very scary place right now. I, I, I maybe not scary is not the right word, but it's it's very difficult because there's a lot of like, um, f- f- like a lot of people who could put on a great front, but when you actually pull back the layers, layers yeah. what is their experience and what value can they add for you? And you know, there's a lot of people who want to put things out. And, and it's, it's Instagram. You you want to have something that's visually appealing. You want to have something that's that's a likable content. Um, but I, I, I really feel like we need to continue to educate people in longer formats. Can be a great way to do that, just like this or YouTube content. Because over time, ten second clips are fifty. The reason why I don't use Twitter anymore is because I don't like creating a one sentence phrase just to try and create some type of controversy. More value, it right? It, 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 there needs to be more longer format right. because life is not that simple. It's not, it's not just a simple click. And you know, what I've learned over the years is just things take time. And, and if you do read a book and you get inspiration, that's great. That's where it, that's what it should be. And then go and take little pieces of it and go place it into action. I read this book, chop wood, carry water. It's just about little stories. And, 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 and it, it just opened my mind to just want to go out there and be a better, more hardworking person. And with this book, whether you listen, you know, audio book is just really about this concept of, just trying to prioritize what you want to do for the day, segment out different times, and go out there and do that. It's an actionable takeaway that you can impart into your life, and I think that's the key from the book. Yeah, and those are and, and there are actionable takeaways there. And one of the parts about the book, for those of you that haven't gotten into it yet, is he, he there's application in there. Jason's put uh, exercises in there for you to do to kind of check in. So, which is what any great coach would do. Like now you've read it, we've told you, we've I've shared an experience with you, or I've shared an example. Now you reflect, sit down, sit with this and, yeah, and, and do a little work. Yeah. I mean, like, like one of the ones we talk about in there and like, this is not, by the way, this had nothing to do with like pitching this book. Right. Um, 
but the, the one I'll, I'll share, which I think is really valuable for anybody, is take something that's really stressing you out. And, and then this is what my mindset coach did years ago with me, is I would get so anxious before these CrossFit Games competitions, and I would, I would get so nervous. And I remember you just had me just put two circles on a piece of paper and said, hey, man, um, let's just say you put on the top of it, uh, I'm stressed out about a test I have I know this coach. I know this coach well. Oh, you know Adam? Oh, of course. Yeah. He's amazing. He's amazing. And I just remember he said it to me. He goes, look, man, just take whatever you're stressing out, put the things that are in your control on the right and the things that are out of your control on the left, and just list them. And I started doing that with the CrossFit Games competitions, right? Like listing, hey, I could warm up, my preparation, my shoes are tied, my uniform, my whatever. And on this side, it's, you know, what is my competitor doing? What are the workouts going to be? And once I started shifting my mindset towards the things that I could actually make an impact on, boy, did it, did it have a profound impact on my 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 relaxation, right? right? Because you could actually do something about it. And I impart that same mindset, not only on, on sport, which was obviously important, but also in, in real life when Ava got sick. I mean, I remember the first thing I did, maybe not the first thing, but after a couple of days, I just sat down and I said, okay, like take a deep breath. Like you're just drinking, you're, you're, the information is overload. I said, what are the things that I could do right now to make a positive impact on my daughter's health? Mm-hmm. Whatever they are, I'm going to write them down. Right. And anything outside of that, I'm just not going to worry about it because I'm not, you know, uh, you know, I'm not a doctor, I, but, but I could research a lot of things. I could make her comfortable. I could do this. I could do that. And um, that in itself was a, a very positive thing for me. These lessons are so applicable through through oh, all, yeah. all. It transcends everything. I mean, it transcends your your work. You're you're a student, right? Whether you're you know in school, whether you're you know it's at your job, whether you run a business, whether you're an employee at a business, whether you're a, a parent who's having a tough time with their kid, right, yeah, or a kid who's having a tough time with their parent, or in your in your in your relationship, whatever. It still really is about what you can control, and it is about mindset, yeah. and it's about the power of positivity. And people talk about it all the time, but but you just need to kind of take a step back and just. Put in action. And that's the point, right? It, it, stop talking and start doing, and then look at the body of that work over time, and then that's giving you the reps to look back on and then anticipate and yeah. And, and you get be better and better about it over time, right? Sure. So in the beginning, it's going to be challenging, and, and that's okay, right? Um, but after more and more reps, you get more and more comfortable, and you start trying to find a way to reflect more on the positive and things that you do have a, a opportunity to create an outcome of. And... Um, but it starts with just being aware of it. I think that's the secret. Like Huge. Something that's really creating anxiety for you, whatever that is. If it's your business and it's creating a ton of anxiety, well, narrow down like what in particular is really causing you feel friction? back those layers. Is it, is it because maybe you're worried that you're a sole proprietor and if someone gets hurt? Okay. Well, what's in my control? Maybe go create a C Corp, set an umbrella policy, right. and that could solve that problem as an example. Great example. Great example. It's a random one, but yeah. No, but, no, but it's a great example for somebody that's looking like, well, I want to. I think I can do this on my own. I want to do this on my own, but oh my God, like I have assets, I have things, I have liability all of a sudden that I don't want to. There I, you go. Right? I yeah. have a family. Like I have a house. Yeah. If somebody gets hurt, they could take my house. Right. That's a legit concern. But if you sit there and worry about it and that's the thing that's stopping you from moving to the next level, well, you're good. Yeah, for the most part, there's always, for the most part, from what I found, there's there's all, oftentimes a solution to things that are causing you a lot of stress, yep. um, with the exception of, uh, most of the time, health. Um, so, I mean, you, you, with with money and time, most things can get overcome, right? If you, most things. 
but health becomes something that you know you can't. Uh, that's why you got everybody needs to keep working out. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Especially, I mean, we're we're sort of getting to this this COVID thing now, and and all the things that have happened in this last year. Man, what a what a crazy time. I think you know that's probably a, an understatement for particularly for gym owners, particularly yeah. here in the state of California. Yeah, um, for gym goers, exercise enthusiasts, athletes, and or anybody that's concerned about their personal health and well being. I mean, I think we just got a big wake up call as a as a society. Um, this is globally, right? And I think a lot of people are still going through that wake up call. They haven't come out the other side yet, and they haven't. They haven't made a decision on how am I going to do things differently because I don't want to be in that position of where I'm paralyzed by fear. I mean, we still got people that won't come out of their house. Yeah. You know, it's it's it's, it's mind boggling. Yeah, I think people are learning a lot. Um, one is how much news can impart fear on you. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought one of the memes I thought was really interesting was like the Amish. They had like an Amish community and he said, oh, why aren't you wearing a mask? You know, why, why don't you look fearful? And it's like, oh, well, we don't have the news. And I do think the news was, was sharing information and whatnot. But I think that the challenging part that we're in right now, and by the way, I'm, I'm a, I believe COVID is a real thing. I'm not saying like, it's a, like I, I don't want to give them part that I'm not. Yeah, I, gotcha. I think one of the challenges with the news cycle right now is that it's benefited for the person that creates the most controversy Absolutely. the quickest way possible. Mm-hmm. And so telling a story that, hey, um, you know, I don't know, one in whatever people uh, are seeing these negative, but the, but the headline needs to be, you know, everyone's dying. And the, the challenge is when the headlines are in, in the, the speed of information without tracking who it's coming from and what's going on. It's just, it's, I don't think that the population has kept up yet with the speed of information that is coming from sources right. because of the internet. Right. And there needs to be some kind of checks and balances there because it's uh, it's really unfortunate how fearful it can make people and how they can believe even some fake information, right, in particular. For sure. And, uh, and, then, and then the lack of awareness on this idea of like, let's really look at the nuts and bolts here. Like we should be exercising and eating appropriately and getting outside more. And that's not a sexy thing to say. Nope. It's not sizzly. It's not a headline. It's not a headline. Nobody wants to hear that. I have to do work. No one wants to hear that. And that's really unfortunate. And I think that there are people though, that are through COVID have came to the realization that the media does impart that, that has some type of impact on your mindset, including me one way or another, no matter who you are, doesn't matter. Right. And, uh, the other thing is, is that as a business owner, um, for me at least, it's forever changed my mindset of the fact that the government has now made it okay. This is not, the government, the health officials have made it okay for them to come in and shut down your business. Yeah, that's it. Right, wrong, or indifferent, I'm just sharing a fact. Yep. That in itself, from a business owner perspective, is very scary. Scary. And it's going to impact the way that I sign leases or do things in the future. Oh, it's going to impact how that person that owns the building is going to sign a lease or not sign a lease to you because we've been labeled as high risk business at some level. Yeah. You know, like, because if they can do that to, 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 to the club, why am I going to let a tenant come in that could be shut down tomorrow and is not going to be able to afford to pay their rent? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, it's going to be a very interesting conversation that's going to happen. I I don't think we've seen, by the way, not even close to the end of this whole thing. Oh, no way. see litigation happen, you know, nonstop. We haven't even seen the tip of the iceberg, in my opinion. I think, you know, you've got so many businesses that are now gone and won't come back. You got some that are hanging on. 
you know, you got those ones that are hanging on that are going to come out the other side and some that aren't, and they're going to have to, they're going to have to make decisions on how they're going to handle themselves legally, financially, and all those, all those kind of things. Um, and you know, a lot of that litigation, like in with most litigation, it'll be years down the line. And so it'll get kind of covered up or, and it'll, 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 it'll disappear for a while and it'll come back and just how much, how much publicity will it get and how much will it matter at that time based on what you're kind of just saying? Like that's old news. Like we're just, we're just moving through. But what we're really talking about is we're talking about people's health. We're talking about their livelihood. We're talking about constitutional rights. We're talking about their finances. We're talking about all kinds of things and it, and it, it, it likely will get easily lost. I think there's another piece to this too. And for those, for those businesses that, you know, were impacted by this, you know, ours is, you know, is a good example. And, and you did come out the other side and now you're looking at it and you're going, Hey, look, I, I got a pretty good model here and I want to expand. And I think I might be able to do some things. Now you go to a lender, right. And you go, Hey, I just need a little money to maybe make this expansion happen. And they look at you and they go, well, you're leveraged to the gills already with things like PPPs and EIDLs and things like that. And by the way, you know, your lease is not real stable because you could be, you know, yeah, because nobody wants to do business with you. I don't know if these lenders are going to touch, touch businesses or not. I mean, it's yeah, going to be, it's, it's going to be a double-edged sword. We'll I see think what there's we, a lot of pros see. and a lot of cons, right? So the pro is if you've gotten through this far in COVID, Yep. We, I believe you're going to see, continue to see a, a large influx of people coming to your gym. I do. Yep. And I think that regulations are starting to kind of yep. slow down, you know, like in terms of like mask wearing and all that kind of stuff, which I do think will help drive more people into the gym. Absolutely. I think public perception is getting better. Um, all those things. And I think more and more people are going to come into the gym. If you were one of the few that lasted, I think you're going to see some great success for the next couple of years. And you're going to have the problems that you're, you're referring to. And, and it's going to be really interesting to see what happens to the court cases. Um, you know, I'm really curious to see what happens like big box gyms and the court cases that go with those because they're going to set a precedent for other things where, hey, if you were, if you're, is it force majeure? Is it, is it um, mm. because you were forced to not run your business? Are you responsible for the rent? Obviously, landlord is going to say, yes, you are. Of course. Tenant's going to say, no, you're not. And the courts are going to have to decide. And I'm really curious what happens. And those yeah. cases are just going to start getting. Yeah. And by the way, I want my landlords to get paid, right? I absolutely want them to get paid. But at the same time, like, there's got to be a give and take here. How, who's, you know, who's going to have to eat some of this? Yeah, we're going to see what happens. Yeah, we, we are. And, and and going back to the media and, you know, what you were mentioning there about getting force fed, you're kind of drinking, drinking from a fire hose, this information that's coming in. And, you know, some of it's maybe been, uh, let's just say, slided one direction versus another. And everybody's kind of trying to make sense of it all. You know, in the end, I think there's a lot of people in this in, in this industry that have kind of been sitting back on. Come on, let's just sit back a second and let's kind of let things play themselves out. Hey, we want everybody to be safe. We, and from a business perspective or owner's perspective, I don't want, I don't want to put anybody at risk. So, I mean, that's just, that's poor business. Doesn't, doesn't do any good. And, and again, coming from a business owner's perspective where I invested in my, my, my member's health, you know, I want to be probably part of the the solution, not part of the problem. Right. Right. Um, I think there'll be a little bit of, I told you so, coming out the other end, you know, like, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> and that, that'll be interesting as well. And they're going to do a deep analysis on everything. Who Someone takes the will. heat? Yeah. And it won't catch major headlines, but they're going to do some analysis on the, you know, keeping things open, not keeping these open, right. what impact it had on people's health, their weight gain. Um, but, you know, talking about what's controlling what's in your control or, or focusing on what's in your control, you know, when COVID happened and even for the last year, I've just been really focused on, hey, it is, we have decided that we were going to continue with whatever the mandates are from state and 
county official. That's we've right. decided that from the beginning, mm-hmm. and it's outside my control. And I just need to do the best we can with the information we're given. Because if I if I stress about it or if I have my own personal agenda and I get frustrated because I can't believe there's it's like dude what are you gonna do about it you know what you're just throwing fuel on the fire yeah and you're talking a big game but you're not gonna bat, you know like and so instead it's like all right what are they allowing us to do go outside all right let's do let's roll the punches and that's just the way it's gonna be for for us in our business because we've just decided to go down that path now yeah, there's other here. people have decided to go another a different path and they want to fight against. Um, you know, what is being told right. and, and that's their decision to do right. so. Yeah. And to be very clear, I don't like it, right. but, but I'm, I'm doing it right. Cause I, it's bigger than me. Right. It, it's bigger than me as a business owner. I've got a community of people. I've got employees, staff, you know, and people that do count on us. And then obviously there's the family at home and, and the things from a, from a, from a contribution perspective. I mean, I'm responsible for that. So if I'm letting my attitude get in the way and, and do things out of emotion, it doesn't make a lot of sense, particularly in this case, because what we've seen is that emotion ends up more than ever kind of giving you a negative result than it, than it ever has. Right I mean, now. most of the time emotion, especially with, you know, social media and with how quickly you could, yeah. you could put information out. You have to be really careful. Yeah, it's, it's risky. It's, it's really risky because and, and, and I've, I've been, you know, um, victim, not, not victim. I've been, I've been, you know, had problems with this in the past where maybe you're in a team meeting and you, you, you want to, you want to have emotion because you want to be a leader. You want to mm-hmm. lead with like this idea that they, it inflicts, but it has to be a, through a positive lens, right. right? You want people to be bought into the vision. But if you start acting emotionally, making decisions that seem irrational and emotional, you're going to lose some of your team's trust. Yep. And, um, and that's a total segue, but the, the point I'm trying to make is that I've learned the hard way that it's important to have emotion as a leader to show your conviction for where you want to go. But you have to be really careful not to be reactive in your emotion. Right. Yeah, that's that key. Not going to be a, a negative thing. Yeah, there's there's taking a stand, yeah. right? And there's having a position, and then there's there's how you position it. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. It, so in the sort of wrapping, wrapping into the end here, we talk about, you know, people's health and having to take control of it and take responsibility for it and, and get out there and get it done and do work. The things that aren't sexy. Right. Um, are there and then even for the business owner right now who's, you know, a little pissed off still and maybe a little unfocused, has some misdirected energy or whatnot. Are there any hacks to getting back to, you know, to, to getting through all this stuff? I mean, is there anything you've discovered in your time where, you know, you're like, well, there's this little trick that I have and that kind of usually can help you bypass, you know, these little things or get through these kind of things with the, with the business, particularly Yeah, the business or just with health and fitness in general, again, and I'm thinking about whoever's listening out there that may be a business owner who is trying to come out the other side right now and trying to get there fast, right? Yeah, I mean, at the highest, highest, highest level, at the highest level you could possibly think of is when you wake up in the morning or before you go to bed, right? Just do a quick micro self-reflection. Say, hey man, how am I doing as an entrepreneur and these other priorities in my life, right? Whether they're family, business, fitness, Mm -hmm. whatever they are, just do a quick little check-in. And if you start saying, hey, I could be doing a lot more to grow my business, then take a micro step the next day to do so. But what you don't want to do is look at life. There's this macro vision where everybody, you know, it's like a Warren Buffett, I think, says it best. They they overestimate what they could do in a day and underestimate what they could do in a decade. And this concept that if every day you're self-reflecting and just saying, hey, what, what can I do to put me in the best position to be successful today? 
And if one day, you know, I would, I would really focus on this for a long time. I would be traveling to Asia to open up new locations. And, and at times I'd feel like a really bad father. I was hard on myself for this. And when I came back, I would, I would always try and right my wrongs by spending more time, mm. be more present. And, and what that was, was it was because at night when I was doing my, my daily quick reflection, I mean, we're talking a minute, mm. I would say, Hey, today I did really good as a business because here I am, you know, growing the business. Right. I did okay as a husband because I, I don't know, sent my right. wife he a sent love the, letter. Yeah, he sent the message. Right. right. But as a, as a father, I have room for improvement. Let me go fix that when I get home in a couple of days or whatever. This way, what the goal is that you don't look back six months, a year, two years down the line and, and reflect and say, damn, dude, I was super, I was, I was not reaching our potential as a business owner right now more than ever because of COVID. It's a great time to reflect and say, hey, what can I do? Don't, don't, um, you know, take on, take ownership in these things. Say, what can I do to improve these different areas every day and just make micro steps towards that? Yeah. I think that that transcends, you know, somebody's personal health and wellness as well. You know, don't try to do too much. Okay. So you fell off the wagon. All right. So COVID hit you hard and you, you put on the COVID-15 or you, you had the COVID-15 on before the COVID-15 and or or whatever the, the case is. And you're looking to make some changes in your health and wellness. It, you don't have to bite off too much at one time and don't beat yourself just, up about it. Right. Just a little bit. I mean, I'm going to give you a great example. You know, for a lot of years, we've we've grown locations. We have members all over the world and our Campbell and Redwood City Gym right now. They're not where they need to be. We need to grow them back. And. It could very easily, when we're doing our financial, um, we had our financial uh, February or March review, and I'm saying, hey, these commercial gyms, we gotta, we got to grow them. And it's easy for me to say, hey, we got to grow them. <laughs> and then I could just take the manager and say, hey, we got to grow them. Right. But instead, right, in an hour, I'm going to be at our gym doing a free trial class myself because, because I felt like it was a great use of my time to try to return for our business but that was an example of recognizing an issue and just take micro ownership right. in it where you say, hey, I'm going to go do a free trial. It's going to take an hour of my day. Right. And then give the rest to the other people on your team. But that's an example of, you know, the mentality is if you have an issue with something, it's really easy to deflect that to someone else on your team or to maybe make some type of excuse. But just sit back and say, what could you actually do? And then is it worth your time? It probably is. And go do it. So we've talked about so the the focus on what you can, you can control working hard. And then there's a couple other pieces of the AMRAP mentality. And I want to talk about that specific kind of wrap up there, but there's a shifting gears and reevaluating. And you just mentioned the, the, the micro check-in that you do evaluation. Let's talk about NC fit right now and how, or what you've done and what NC fit has done as a community and as a company, um, in this last year and the, the shifts that you're making and changing gears and some of the projects that you guys are working on right now that you're excited about. Yeah. I mean, so like I was saying earlier, there's been, as the business grew, there was opportunities that present themselves such as working for seminar staff, then getting corporate wellness accounts. These were opportunities where the door was opened and it was my responsibility or the company's responsibility, to say, to run through them. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need to know which ones go in, sometimes you should close that <laughs> right. But right now, we started a digital product a couple of years ago called the NC Fit Collective, and that's for gym owners and coaches. We put out, I believe, the world's best session plans and programming for group style training in the functional training space. And that's been very successful for us from a digital revenue model. But we never went after the end consumer. We never talked to someone who was at home or at the gym. And so we're, we're 
in the last year, we've really been focused on that. Obviously, COVID really highlight or sped up that timeline. And so we're just now releasing a new app for the end consumer that I believe, and I'm confident in saying this, is the number one functional training app for daily and on-demand content. Hmm. Think about us like the on-demand uh, functional training version of Peloton. It's awesome. And I believe it's a focus of the business, right? Just like we have our brick and mortar, which is a focus, very important. We have our corporate wellness. We have our digital app, you know, and we have our apps. And we need these diversified revenue streams. We need the appropriate people in place to manage each one. And um, I think, man, we're just getting started. I really do. I mean, I, it's so funny. Here I am, 13 years down the line. I see you just fired up right now, man. <laughs> just, yeah. I, uh, it's like, because I, I actually did a short podcast on our business and fitness podcast about this idea of, of tug of war. And when you watch a team do tug of war and you really know what you're doing, they all move in sync together. And man, do they create a lot of momentum. Mm-hmm. But if you have one person on the team that's in the wrong spot, or if you have someone on the team that's not even pulling, it could really ruin the whole vibe. Weak, weak but, link in the chain. But man, when you get the whole team just moving in sync, boy, does it make something special. It's taken us a long time. But I finally feel like we have, and we've had great teams in the past, but this team right now is positioned really well to to build something special. So I hope I stay here a year from now and it's it's a further inflection point from where we're at. Today. I'm sure I'm sure it will be, man. I mean nothing you've done to this point has done anything but that. So yeah. it's exciting to see. I'm fired up. I'm fired up for you. I'm fired up, you know, to to see it happen and, and uh you, you shared a little bit of it with me before. It's it's an amazing looking product. I mean, from the user end, I think people are gonna be really impressed. And it's about time, quite frankly. Somebody came over the top and it's I'm glad it's you, right? There's a lot of other folks out there that I've seen try and do things before. Yeah. And you I don't think keep it authentic. Yeah. I don't think they're coming from that. I don't yeah. think they're coming from that place. And they're being, you know, they're, there's tech companies that are trying to do this. They're not fitness companies that are trying to do this. And there is a big difference working for them for as long as I have, as long as you have, you get that. And then, you know, owning one and, and operating one is a, is uh, you, you, you're coming at it from a different perspective. Um, a couple of the things I, 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 I know you guys are working on too that I, I heard about it. First off, we've already talked about if you want to hear from Jason um, or you want to learn more about him, you can definitely listen to the Bit- Business of Fitness podcast. Speaking of the team, I just heard as of recently, you guys have come out with even maybe a new podcast uh, run by some of the, the leading ladies on the team. Uh, make Is it Making Waves? We have Women Making Waves podcast is with our uh, like women, like there's and these are women. These ladies are badass. Yeah. And then yeah. we have the intro podcast, with MDV. So we have three podcasts that are underneath the NC film umbrella right now. And uh, it's just a way for us to Red. highlight our team, keep moving forward and, 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 and getting after it. So if people want to, you know, reach out, find out more about the NC collective, maybe get coached by you or somebody on your team. Um, where, where, where should they go, man? Um, I think the best place to go well, for, for um, Instagram, Jason Kalipa, but on, um, if you go to nc.fit or if you go to, um, if you go to nc.fit, there's links to a bunch of stuff there and we'll be updating that, uh, that website soon. And you can also check out on Instagram, ncfit.collective is a, is a great resource. And so if you're a gym owner, go check it out. Even if you're not in the, you know, necessarily the group style training, there's still some content that I think you'd really like. Outstanding. Jason, one more time. Thank you so much for coming down and spending time with me. This this really has been a treat. I knew it would be. Um, it's everything I expected it, it, it would be and more. And I uh, appreciate your time. And uh, and best of luck to you going forward. And hopefully, man, we can do this again sometime. Hey, I'm in, man. It was right down the road. All right, good. Right on. Thanks, buddy. Talk right. to you soon. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Iron Sights. 
If you enjoyed our conversation, you can support our mission by hitting the subscribe button, leaving a review, and sharing the podcast with a friend. I'll see you on the next episode.